Welcome back to the Morning Cover Podcast with me, Alan. Today, I'm joined by Steve Kirchhoff from KCS. In the show, Steve and I are taking a winding route through his career highlights, from driving to planning, then on to transport management. We touch on some of the skills Steve has developed over his 34-year career so far, and how being a people person is the single most important thing when it comes to transport management. Want help developing and adding those skills to your arsenal of techniques for transport management? I'd suggest you join a mental group on the TMC and get weekly calls plus a private group chat with an experienced transport manager to help guide you whilst you make your first steps into the world of transport management. To find out more, go to tmcollective.co.uk and see how a TMC mentor can help you get ahead today. Anyway, thank you Steve for joining me today. This was a fun one, so let's get to it. We do go for a seamless transition when we hit record, but it does ignore the, the 20 minutes of preamble before we hit record. Um, so yeah, Steve, thank you very much for joining me. Um, for my audience, I know um, i like to do a quick introduction. Steve Kirchhoff from KCS is joining me today. Um, I think I'll just throw the floor straight to you, essentially, Steve, and sort of where you from, who are you, and a bit of background about yourself would be good for our audience. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm from Maystone in Kent. Um, was born there, kind of lived around there most of my life. Um, been at KCS now for three months, so I'm very much the new boy, which I yes. absolutely hate being a new boy. Um, I've come from a job where I was there for six years and people come to you for everything and all of a sudden, I know You're nothing. going to them. Yeah. You're yes. going to other people, aren't you? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and what's your name again and what do you do again? So, uh, But overall, they're, they're a brilliant company to work for, very supportive, they're very friendly. Um, Did they pay you to say that? Um, yes, I've got a brand envelope just the other side of the screen. Just to... cool, good, fantastic. <laughs> so, um, so, what what do KCS actually do? So, it's Kent County Supplies. So, we supply stationary and education supplies to schools, uh, libraries, government buildings. So, uh, KCC Kent County Council is one of our major shareholders. Um, oh, okay. So, so we we basically we have their logo on, on our vehicles. Um, so anything sort of government owned we we do so lot, lots of libraries lots and lots of schools so uh, yeah didn't realize there was quite that many schools in kent but there is <laughs> i must say my, my little one's going to school in september um we got the uh the email the other day of, of which school and pre that you didn't really know how many schools there were but there's like literally within like a mile of my house there's like 10 schools it's ridiculous yeah i don't really realize yeah it's so it's such a yeah such a big industry but um yeah, so I mean, why did you why why KCS? What 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 drew you to them? Was it was it kind of just right place, right time, or um, I was I was looking for a change. I'd heard of them because when I started my career back in the eighties, I worked for KCS. Surely not. Oh, yeah, I know. Thank, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I knew of Kent County Supplies because I used to order from them. So okay. I, saw, I saw the job come up and I thought, how weird would it be if I worked there again? It's like I've come full circle. Full circle, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so I'm sort of wondering, is this the twilight of my career? You know, am I going to see my career out here? Um, it's not, just, I mean, it's not the worst thing to do, is it, though? No, not at all. No, uh, there, are, there are a lot worse places to be out there and working. Believe me, I've, I've visited some of them. <laughs> uh, but, and as soon as I met them, um, you know, they were on my page. They were very much, you know, we are legal, we are compliant, we need somebody to manage that. And that kind of, you know, ticks all the boxes for me. You know, I, I don't want to work for people who don't want to do that, which yeah. I have done in the past, um, especially in, in my younger days. So uh, that's yeah. kind of what drew me to it. And then the fact that they've just said, right, off you go, you know, do your job kind of thing. You know, they're not sitting on my shoulder. They trust me and, and my knowledge and my expertise and everything. So, yeah, I think I've definitely made the right move. So did you replace someone or were you kind of brought in as an expansion or what, what was the sort of? No, the, the previous transport manager had left um, a few months prior to that. So the ops manager had kind of been sort of trying Modeling to do through. that role. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, he's got a busy job anyway and running transport. You know, he got them through, but they needed someone to come in and proper take it by the reins. So, yeah, a bit of catching up to do when I got in. But you know, we're already, you know, we're, we're up to speed. You know, mm. the drivers have got a lot more knowledge on, on compliance and what they should be doing now. How big is the uh, the fleet and the team that you manage? So it's not massive. So we've got nineteen vehicles. Um, so we've got thirteen seven and a halfs, and then we've got six sprinters. So um, the sprinters okay. are not tachograph, but the, obviously the seven and a halfs are. 
Yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter whether you've got seven and a half or Arctics, you know, the the rules are there and there's yeah. obeyed. So it was uh, it was just trying to remind them all of the rules and, yeah. and me discovering how little or how much they all knew. Yeah. It's surprising how how in every role, not just within driving and compliance, you can sort of deviate away from, from what you should be doing um, over yeah. time um, just through lack of accountability, essentially. So I mean, yeah. it's something we've, um, my team and I have gone through a, a bit of a, bit of a structural change in the last uh, few weeks um, and sort of brought in, I think Casper put it really nicely, called it his, the accountability tree is <laughs> everyone has something that they're accountable to and for. Um, and I think it's, it's very easy for things to just kind of deviate and get left by the wayside if no one's holding you to account. Um, so I yeah. think it's important that, that you do that. So yeah, that's important. Um, so I wanted to kind of, kind of let, let's let's wind the clock back to. I'm not going to say a date because it's, I think it's a might, long way back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How long have we got? Let's strap in, guys. Um, no. Um, so I mean, I guess that I mean with the with the new direction of the podcast, where we're interviewing kind of people who have had fair amount of life experience within transport and seeing if we can pass on some of those learnings to kind of new TMs um, and even experienced ones that might not have worked in certain industries or certain ways. So that's kind of, kind of what we're doing. So the fact that you've got a, a career with multiple steps, is that yeah. the right way of saying? I think that sounds okay. Yes. That, yeah, that sounds like, like that. I'm, I'm being good. polite. We'll with <laughs> career with multiple steps. There you go. We'll take that. Um, yeah, we want to kind of, kind of wind our way through your 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 life and sort of see what what you've learned along the way and sort of why you made certain decisions. So, kind of let's let's cast our mind way back. How did you get into transport? Was it your first kind of kind of job, or did you kind of come into it later in life? No, well, it, it, quite young. I mean, when I left school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like probably eighty percent of people, you know, yeah. I went through. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a racing driver. When I realised that that wasn't going to pan out. Um, I literally started working for KCC and I literally ordered stationery and I did photocopying and I did filing, which again, people don't understand what filing is now, especially Youngster's company. And we sort out your files on your computer, that's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. computers, uh, what's one of them? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I literally sort of plodded through my first few working years of just doing that. Um, and then one day, a local HGV driving school had an open day um and invited people to come along getting a truck and drive it and uh i jumped in this arctic and the minute i drove it i was hooked mm. i was like this is great um and so started having lessons found i loved it even more and uh yeah eventually passed my test so this was back in the day when you could go from a car to a class one so yeah. that's how long ago it was and uh passed my class one in 94 so uh, a long time ago um, and then yeah. the, the next problem was, how do I get a job? Because I was I was 22 at the time and no one wanted to touch me. I was a youngster. I had no experience. I was in this two-year experience loop. Yeah. How do I get experience if no one gave me a chance like everybody yeah. can relate to? Yeah, yeah. So I ended up, because bear in mind there was no internet, there was no email, I wrote every single haulage, haulage company in Kent, every wow. single one. One of them took me on. Everybody used to say to me, you haven't got enough experience. I need a guy who knows what he's doing. But one company took me on. Um, who was that? It was a company called Bosman Transport. They're, they're not around anymore. Um, so they were a small, small uh, company based in Disson, just outside Maidstone. Um, okay. I knew of them because, ironically, I lived around the corner from them. So I obviously knew of them. And, uh, yeah, I, I turned up not knowing how to fill out a tachograph, not knowing how to do up a curtain, not knowing how to strap <laughs> a load because they don't teach you any of that. When, nope. back in the day so i literally had to learn as green as i was and as naive as i was from from the ground up how to do the job did they did was it a supportive company to sort of do that um they they were good they i kind of get now why they took me on um because they wanted somebody they could mold um yeah. and you know probably did things that i probably shouldn't have done but at the time i didn't know any different I yeah. thought, oh, oh, you do that, and and just ran off and did it. When it was only later in life, when people said you can't do that, that's illegal. Because you, as a new driver, do you, do you want to elaborate on that, or do you not want to elaborate? I, I can. Um, I mean, we this back in the day of paper tachographs, obviously, and you'd you'd run out of time, and uh, I'd say, look, I've got to park up, I'm out of time, and it was, uh, well, just put another one in. I'll fill it out when you get back. 
and like being naive, I went, yeah, okay, I'll do that. Not mm. realizing what would have happened had I got stopped. Yeah. Or one o'clock forward nine hours and then carry on. So I did that. You know, literally, if they'd said to me, drive the lorry off a cliff, I probably would have gone, oh, okay, that's, that's legit. Yeah. But that's how green I was because I was, I was petrified of going into the industry. Going from a car to driving a fully laden class one is scary, yeah. especially for the first time when there's no yeah. one sitting next to you going, do this, do that, look at your mirrors, do that. It was, yeah. it was a petrifying time, but at the same time, I loved it. Yeah. So uh, I very quickly, after a few years, began to realize, hang on a minute, you know, I've, I kind of need to stick next to the law because if I lose my license, I've lost my job. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, so. You know, was that sort of uh was that sort of experience of doing things not quite by the book because you know better did that did that shape your direction into transport management or, or was there something else that caused that to happen it, it, yes it kind of did i mean it, although it wasn't great what i went through i'm so glad i did because mm. you know when, when now drivers sort of say to me about things that you know we could do i'm like no we're not doing that because i know yeah. because i've done it um yeah. and i mean i was there for three years i think and uh it was a case of, right, you do a couple of nights out a week, you know, you'll be out Monday night, you'll be out Thursday night, and you'll be home for the weekend. Well, it started like that, but it ended with me leaving Sunday afternoon and getting home Saturday morning. So oh, yeah. I I had enough, so <clears throat> decided to leave. <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing at that stage of your life, in your early to mid-20s, you got less of a... There's no family tying you down necessarily, like no no children and stuff. Yeah. So you're you're able to do those, but it's not exactly great for your social life. <laughs> no, there, there's no social life, and and even when you're out, you know, you're sleeping in laybys. You, you you're getting hassle from people who yeah. you know, want to buy diesel off you, or what you got in the back, mate, or do you want to buy a camcorder, mate? And it was constant yeah. hassle, and you wake up and find little moons cutting your curtain where they've had a little peek in to see what you carry. Yeah, you know, and and you think, God, this is dangerous. Yeah, you know, the, the facilities in services, I mean, they've not got much better, but you know, <laughs> in the 90s, they were disgusting. You know, mm. I'm not going in there to have a shower. I'll, I'll come out with more diseases than when I went in, went in yeah. with. So, yeah, um, yes. It was a don't whole think, sort of, sorry. I, say, I don't think it's much better now, though, to be honest. So. They're not. <laughs> no. And, yeah, you know, you turn up at the services and they want to charge you to park there. And, you know, for what? You know, it's, it's horrible. Yeah. But, uh I'm glad I don't do it now because there's much more traffic on the roads than, than when I was driving. Yeah. We interrupt this program for a special report. Not really, just me again. So, you've done your CPC exam. Now, let's prepare for the real world of transport with the TMC Mentor Program. Join a mentor group on the TMC and get weekly calls plus a private group chat with an experienced transport manager to help guide you whilst you make your first steps into the world of transport management. To find out more, go to tmcollective.co.uk and see how a TMC mentor can help you get ahead. Anyway, that's enough from me. Now back to, well, me. Yeah. So so when you left there, what did you go on to? Did you stay driving or did you make the trans transition to transfer management then? Uh, no, out of uh, sheer petulance, I decided, right, I'm going to drive vans for a bit. And I, <laughs> I, went, I, I said, I'm not driving lorries anymore. It's rubbish. So I started driving for a parcel company. Okay. Um, so I then went to doing 80 to 90 drops a day and, uh, needless to say, it was very low pay for very long hours. And, yep. uh, if I'd have stayed doing that, I probably wouldn't have a license because you're, you're expected to work. Incentivized. Yeah. 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 So, uh, from there, then I went back to lorries again after my little stint as a white van. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, start, started driving again for a company called Swift, who then turned into Christian Salverson. Um, so it's like my, um, sort of multi-drop general haulage yeah. kind of stuff. And that's when I made the transition slowly into, into sort of management and supervisory experience. How did that work? Was it just, you kind of put your hand up for it or there was an opening or you naturally gravitated towards it because of maybe a bit more experience or what? Um, I, I kind of created it myself because I was always interested in, in sort of the route planning side of it and, and the management side. So what I would do is when I got back off my my run, I'd clock out and then I'd spend two or three hours in the traffic office on my own, on my own, <coughs> own time, sorry, and uh, just learn everything. You know, start taking phone calls. You know, start start inputting jobs, and then I would stay later to start route planning and things like that. So eventually, they kind of had no choice but to move me in there full time. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, bit, bit stubborn that, on my part. 
was it was it mostly you, you were just sort of like done of being on the road or it just it, it was more exciting or what what sort of caused you to to want to make the transition it it was getting me down a little bit the driving only because you couldn't get anywhere fast and the the pressures that were going on you to be certain places certain times i mean i was dragging trailers to docks and it was all you've got to be there at this time you know and you're stuck on the m1 and you can't get anywhere and the pressure was getting too much and I, but i'd always been interested in in management but i decided early on i don't think you can manage unless you've done unless it. you've done yeah you know i know a lot of people don't agree with that but you know, that's how I've been brought up. How can I tell someone what to do if I've not been and done it myself yeah. or could go and do it myself? So I, I think that's that the thing. It's, it, it's, I think it's quite hard because you can become a transport manager without being a driver. Yeah. Obviously, you don't don't need they're, – they're not mutually inclusive, if that's the right phrase. Like, you don't yeah. have to have gone one to the other. And I think – it is hard because although I mean I, I'm full disclosure, I know people know, but I'm not. A, I'm, I've got to drive a car. I don't drive lorries. Um, I don't. I don't have my CPC. I'm not a transport manager, and I probably never will. Um, because my view is I can do better for my job by not being one. I feel I'm yeah. pretty knowledgeable. I talk to lots of people like yourself. I learn quite a lot, but I I wouldn't profess to be an expert. I'd rather work with experts and talk to experts and not to be one myself. Yeah. Um, but the experience I tend to see is that the the TMs that have come from a background of driving tend to have a better grasp on their drivers um, yeah. because they know when they're bullshitting <laughs> to a certain extent. And you, kind yeah. of, you know what they're saying. You can kind of understand it. You can't go near the schools when the children are out, you know, yeah. for, for obvious reasons. So it's all between half eight and, half, and nine o'clock. And then again, half two and three o'clock. Yeah. It, it makes it tricky. So it's trying to, the drivers know this. I mean, a lot of the drivers that work here have been here a long time. They're very experienced, but it's the new guys that are coming in that think, oh, it's just multi-drop, but delivering to schools is a different animal. Yeah. And it's, and it's trying to make them understand that, you know, that safety has got to come first, especially when you're reversing the vehicle into a school, you know, yeah. the, the things that could go wrong, you know, you don't even want to think about. Yeah. Um, so, it so is, did, did you yeah. find it was hard for you to kind of get up to speed with that? Did it take a while for you to really get that, or did it was it quite obvious straight away? I mean, it is obvious when you think about it, but like I think I think when we spoke, it's driver your drivers have a certain way of doing things because they have to work within quite narrow windows and stuff. Did you find that took a bit of you getting used to? It did, and so I wasn't here very long, and I went and started going out with them because so for me to understand it, I wanted to yeah. go and see it. You know, yeah. I can't see that from behind the desk. So I started to go yeah. out with them and you can see the issues they've got. I mean, you know, even to the point where you're delivering and you're walking through a playground with like sack barrels of, say, copy paper and kids don't get out of the way. In fact, they run at you. You know, yeah. it's, it's quite a dangerous place actually trying to deliver during school break time into a school. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, but, you know, it was getting a good understanding from them. But yeah. then because they're very experienced, a lot of them, they know where to go. They know who to see. They know who to ask for. Or, yeah. You know, it doesn't go to the reception. It goes to the caretaker's office and things like that. So, yeah. you know, it's again, although logistics is A to B, no matter what your commodity is, it, there's slightly slight differences to yeah. whatever you're delivering. Yeah, uh, definitely. And this was a good eye for that. Yeah. So going back to kind of you'd made the transition from the road and into the, the office doing more planning, at what point did that sort of, become i think you said it was because they couldn't kick you out essentially um is that what is that what really kind of kick-started kind of down the route you're down now then yeah it did i mean i I enjoyed it and i learned early on that all all the drivers that i thought were my mates very quickly as soon as you become one of them Mm. you know that they're not quite as chatty with you anymore and when you have to start telling them what to do or asking them what to do they they don't like it you know because hang on you were one of us you know but we all work for the same company. Yeah, we're, um, trying, to, but, we're trying to do the same thing. Yeah, but it, it sort of ignited the the kind of management spark, thinking, actually, let's see how far I can take this. Because I literally started and I was a planner. Um, yeah. And then I, I worked night shift for three years planning the, the night routes, um, which you know not ideal, but you kind of have to do what you need to do to get on. Yeah. You know, I, I knew nights wasn't a full-time sort of thing for me, but it had to be done for me to get the experience that I needed. 
So, uh, and then unfortunately, I had to leave there because there was no positions on days, and you know, mm. nights was becoming a bit of a bit of a struggle. I, yeah, I, I never imagine. got used to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess you don't really sleep during the day, do you? Really, it's, it's no, hard you, to to shift your your body clock that way. Yeah, you lay awake thinking I need to sleep, and it doesn't happen. Yeah. I can see why a lot of uh, people that work shifts uh, rely on substances to uh, to get themselves through the day and night, which is, yeah. I mean, dangerous for anyone. But within like driving and transport, it's not not ideal. <laughs> it's definitely um, not. So you so you move from there to kind of find a, a day role. Where did you move to? Yeah, uh, from where did I go from there? I went to TNT Logistics, which which again are no longer. So there's there's a theme developing everywhere I work. They kind of disappear. So. <laughs> That's just put me off being hired it, ever again. <laughs> it, it, well, it puts anyone off hiring you, I think, is a better way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe um, we'll edit this bit out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, can we? Yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't a complete day role, actually. So I went from night shift to working two to ten, which okay. was a bit a bit better. But, you know, yeah. it, was, it still wasn't what I wanted. But And, again, it was a planning role. Um, now, all these planning roles introduced me to new planning systems, Um and trying to understand that what the computer says is not necessarily what the driver can do. And yeah. again, because I had the driver background, I, I could quite easily look at that and go, well, the computer says you could do that in eight hours, but I know it's going to take you longer. Yeah. Um, and it was, I know planners are kind of, you could be a hero and a villain all in one go. You know, the, yeah. the drivers either hate you or love you. So mm. one of the things I've found, and I wish planners had done this with me, is if I had a particularly nasty route, I would talk to the driver before, the night before and say, look, it's a bit of a naughty route tomorrow. It's, it's a lot of drops. Are you okay with it? And I'd get them on side the night before rather yeah. than them turn up in the morning and, you and know, throw a massive wobbly, who planned this and, you know, throw the toys yeah. out the pram. You know, yeah. you leave a driver leaving the depot in that sort of mood is well, yeah. in one way. Yes. Yeah, so it's obviously not great for, for performance and stuff. I mean, I think one of our previous guests, Vicky from E-Situ, she did, I don't think we mentioned it on the podcast, but she, she's a um, kind of academic around a hazard perception, hazard awareness. Um, right. And I think, oh, I might dig it out. Elizabeth, if you're listening, you need to dig out and remind me to dig this out. I, I probably won't. But if I do, a study they did on, um, I think it was anger and stress on um, response times and behavioral yeah. kind of hazard perception and stuff. And it does make a it, it's interesting reading. It makes a big difference to how people perceive risk. Um, which is really not what you want. So yeah, having calm drivers, I think. But it's, again, it's going back to communication. Like if you just talk to people, I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, and I think that got to me as a driver that you'd, you'd literally come in and get your work. And if you had an issue with it, no one wanted to listen. You know, mm. there's your keys, there's your work, go, go and get yeah. on with it. Yeah. Um, so that taught me to not do that. You know, I, yeah. I didn't want to um, have my drivers feeling like that. Mm. And and I kind of built that from back then, which was now we're sort of in the two, early 2000s, all the way through my career is that I asked the drivers to talk to me or I'll go and talk to them. And it's hard to have the difficult conversations, you know, yeah. especially if, say if a driver says, oh, I need to be finished by two o'clock, but you know he's not going to be back till four. Let's talk to him about it first before him, you know, potentially walking out the job the next day when he finds out what he's got. Yeah. So I think, I think it's... Like, yeah, just just talking and being being um, aware, I think, of of people's kind of uh, expectations and mood and behaviour. I know, yeah. I know, I know. You could you could sort of say, "Oh, snowflakes, just suck it up and deal with it." But actually, that's not quite. It's not quite as easy as that. It's no. people are people. Like we, I had a a situation even just this week where I was away on holiday for a week, and the team maybe didn't operate to quite as high a standard or high output as maybe I was expecting. Um, and I kind of gathered all the information when I got back from holiday and I kind of, I went in on Monday morning and I made it uncomfortable for a few minutes. So like, you need to know that this is not appropriate. Like, you, like I don't think people, I think, I mean, I've got, I've got children, I've got kids and disciplining is important. You do need to lay down boundaries. People need boundaries, especially in the workplace, not just like in life, but in the workplace, you do need to have boundaries of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Um, but it's not laying into them and having a character analysis, a character assassination and, and shouting at them. That doesn't get you anywhere. It's just saying, look, this is not on, but this is what we're going to do. And then you yeah. move on and then you draw. And, and I was, 
if I if I'd come in on 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 the Monday or the Tuesday morning this week, sorry, because of bank holidays, if I come in and I'd sort of seen this happen, I would have thrown it out the pram. I would have had such a reaction. Mm-hmm. But because I got this on the Friday and I had a whole weekend to sort of process and go, actually, no, there's a lot of things, and I gathered more information. And there was some reasonable explanations as to why it happened as well. Not not yeah. totally, but I understood people have got things going on in their personal lives as well. I'm like, okay, that, that does have an impact on, on performance at work. Where of it, you can then kind of work with it. And I kind of made it uncomfortable for five minutes because I think it was important that it did feel like that. But then I said specifically, okay, lie in the sand. That's where we're at now. What we're doing moving forward. And that was it. And yeah. apart from repeating it on the podcast now for people to hear again, I've not mentioned it since. It's like, no, we just move on and, and it's fine. Um, so I think, yeah, just being open and honest about things, I think is really important. Yeah, it is massively. And it's the old 1970s attitude, isn't it? About where the boss drags the driver across the yard and, you know, yeah. isn't talking to him. You, you don't do that. You, you know, no. we've moved on a lot since then. Um, yes. And it's about having empathy for your drivers. You know, I mean, yeah. if you've got 19 drivers, you've got 19 different sets of personalities, 19 yeah. different sets of problems. Yeah. You know, not everyone's going to turn up to work happy on a Monday no. morning. You know, some people are going to be a bit off. So yeah. you, you sort of think, hang on, you're normally really cheery and happy. You're not today. You're okay. And it's, and it's having that conversation. Yeah. Um, and I think it's massively important to do that. So do you, do you find that you have really good... You, do, I mean, I know you've only been there three months, but I'm guessing you try and operate an open door policy to a certain extent and let people come to you with their problems. Yeah, I've said it to all of them. I mean, when I started, obviously, they, they didn't know me and they were trying to work me out. And I started yeah. by just being really open, really open and honest and say any questions you've got, come and come and talk to me. You know, if you want to know what I have for dinner, come and ask me. I, you know, I'll sh- sh- share everything with you just to try and gain their trust. So what did you have for dinner last night? Uh, I had chicken and rice last night. It was a oh, very nice. It's very, very nice. nice. There you go. <laughs> you edit that out as well. <laughs> no, that's staying in. That that is one. Oh. I was, so anyway, I ask all the hard hitting questions here on the Morning Cup podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that was a tough one. Uh, that one. That was a tough one. So so we'll go back. So you kind of you made the transition to that two to ten planning role. Um, when were you a CPC holder back at that point, or were you still kind of working towards that, or or what? It was with TNT that they put me through my CPC. Okay. So, um, they asked me if I wanted to do it. And I said, yeah, of course I'll do it. And then I realized how much work was involved. <laughs> so so they, they wouldn't pay for me to, to have lessons or anything. So they literally gave me a folder like that <laughs> and said, learn that and you'll pass your exam. So uh, I did, did it home study. I did. You passed first well, time? Okay. Well, okay. I, I kind of did. <laughs> I went to do the exam and I got caught in traffic and I literally turned up like with, with that much time left to spare, sat down, sat the first multiple choice and uh, did the rest of the exam. When I got my results, I'd failed the easy first multiple choice and passed everything else. So I think when I sat down, I was a bit like, oh my like, God, yeah. I was stressed out. So, yeah. uh, so then I obviously resat the, the first module again and passed that. So sort of sort of i would have done i would have done had the traffic not been there yeah yeah my dog ate my homework yeah yeah, that's the one yeah 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 yeah. so so did they was there any support within the organization to kind of get you through that did you have any mentors or like like people to work with or was it just literally off you go um my boss he was he was obviously a cpc holder he was the uh operations manager i think at the time and he was very good at explaining things i come into him and say, I don't quite understand this. And he'd explain it in a context that I would understand. Yeah. So, you know, he, he was, you know, instrumental in me getting through it, I think. Um, I mean, it's a tough exam. And while you're studying for it, it does take over your life. You yeah. know, you've got formulas and things running through your head the whole time. Um, but when I found a pass, you know, obviously elation. Um, yeah. And then the, the hard reality of, oh, my God, I've now got to use this. And people are going to assume I know everything. <laughs> yep, yep. And then you also, I mean, I guess because you came from a background from driving and working in a transport office, there's not a big bump. But a lot of people do find that the CBC doesn't prepare you for the real world of transport management. It's just, yeah. it's just a bit of paper, and lots of box being ticked. But then you got to get into the real world and do it. Did you find? Did you find that particularly hard, or did you find that you had a a good grounding in in understanding already that you didn't find it quite as hard? Or, or not uh, there were parts of it i knew there was a financial aspect to it 
you know, like pricing a job up with 20% profit and all that, which I got to grips with quite easily, but it was the law side of it, you know, because the CPC prepares you to run your own business. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's effectively an A-level in business studies. So when there was a lot of it that I I struggled with, Um, even things that I thought I knew. So when I got to driver's hours, I thought I don't even need to study that. I know that. And when I took a mock paper, I absolutely, I was embarrassed. Mm. You know, I can't even believe I'm telling you now, but (laughs) then I realized actually I need to go back and revisit it. And a lot of it is because the legislation changes so quick and so often. Yeah. You know, if, if you'd last drove 10 years ago, you don't know the legislation now it's changed. Mm. So uh, that, that was a bit of a learning curve and taught me a lesson. You know, don't, don't, don't take your knowledge for granted always. Oh, that's twice it. cut once. Yep, yep, yeah. I try and do that with my DIY. It's why I don't do DIY anymore. <laughs> I can't be trusted. I say I don't think you can see. I've got a, a, a heart. I almost lost lost a finger. If you see on the screen oh. there, I, I was I was measuring twice and cutting once, but that cut once was through my finger with a circular saw. <laughs> so there you go. Um, <laughs> can't be trusted with power tools. Um, yeah. So did did you find kind of the the transition back into like into transport management? after the exam kind of okay did you have the support post pass as it were or did you kind of were you then thrown okay you can now go be the tm off you go well i was i was lucky because they they didn't want me to be the tm they just wanted okay. to de- they wanted to develop me and okay that's good cpc um i mean tnt logistics at the time they had a lot of contracts and i think the plan was to sort of put me out to another contract that needed a tm so so yep. i could start managing it but um, I ended up leaving like a year or so after that. So, you know, we never, we never got to find that out. So, um, uh, you know, was that, then, was, that, was that just moving on or was there, was there other reasons for leaving? It, it was if partly moving on, but partly the two to 10 shift again was, yeah. was taking a time. I and mean, I did that shift for three years. Um, and you know, it's great. You don't have to get up early in the morning, but you can't go out in the evening yeah. you know, because you're at work. And although I worked two to 10, if there was a problem, I'd stay and finish it. You know, so sometimes we yeah. get home till midnight, but yeah. that's, that's just just how I am. So it was to yeah. take another job that was actually a day shift, which was yeah. my first proper day shift in transport management, <laughs> which was great. Yeah. So what, what, where, where, and when was that? Um, so that was I think about two thousand six. I think it was now. So okay. I moved to a, a car transports company. Okay. And never done cars before. Yeah. You know, um, so I had a very 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 steep learning curve in the yeah, transporter industry because the unions have a heavy, heavy influence in that and uh, wasn't prepared for that when I went there, you know, so mm. you can't just give people work. You know, if the union say that driver doesn't have to do it, he doesn't do it. And that was a shock. Yeah. You know what, you know, they work, they work very hard car transporter drivers, I discovered, and at the risk of getting lynched, except on a Friday when they want to go home. Uh, when, oh yeah, foot, foot down Friday. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the one. Yeah, if you if you wanted to, you know, do a couple of collections on the way down. Nope, I'm coming back, and the union will back them. So uh, I, I that was a again another steep learning curve. But then that's why you change jobs, isn't it? You change jobs to learn exactly. Yeah, and improve. So how did you manage those sort of those sort of like more complex drivers? Um, well, after I discovered that banging my fist on the desk and shouting at them doesn't doesn't help, it's it's just, again, talking to them. I mean, mm. When I said earlier that, you know, you need to talk to your drivers and get the best out of them, it took me a few years to learn that. Yeah. Because, you know, I'd had some bosses that were literally like that. They would stand their fists on the desk and make you do stuff. And I think you take a little bit from all the bosses that you work for. Yeah. Ideally, the best bits, and you kind of use a little Avoid bit Avoid the worst bits. Bit. That's it, yeah. So, you know, once I'd sort of grown up a little bit and got, you know, the, the temper tantrums out my way, yeah. I discovered that you get so much more out of people if you talk to them, if you say, yeah. look, I'm really, really need, it really helped me out if you pick this car up for me. And you help me out, I help you out. And, you know, that, and I still do that, you know, today. You know, if, if there's something that, you know, it's, it's going to cost somebody a couple of hours, I'll make it up to you on Friday. You know, we'll, we'll get you back a bit earlier so you can start your weekend. And I think yeah. it works better like that. Yeah. 
Do you, do you find that your I say what well, I think you're kind of I something I wrote down earlier was do you find that your mindset has changed as you as you've kind of got older and matured through your years and I think the answer is clearly yes is it is you re, you realise kind of yeah shouting doesn't work no I'm, I'm not sure about the maturing bit you know but I, <laughs> I, I do my best it, oh, yeah impolite <laughs> thanks thank you um, yeah if, if if somebody shouted at me and said do this now. You know, I get my back up straight away, and you yeah. know, but pe- people are all the same. You know, yeah. talk to people how you want to be talked to yourself. You know, some drivers do. You know, push the limit. You know, and you have to go away, count to ten, and breathe. But I have learned, you know, to not bring myself down to that level again and start mm. shouting at people. You know, I'm not perfect. It's it's happened. Yeah, you know, I, it, I can it, I can relate. Yeah, you know, and then I'm annoyed with myself because you know I've I've let myself go down to that level, but. Um, but there we are, all human, and, and yeah. it's something that I mean. My my wife says this quite a lot. She works in construction, and so she works in a very male dominant environment, and she's female. And there's quite a few women in her office. Um, but if if a woman cries, oh, don't get so emotional, as if <laughs> anger and shouting is not an emotion. Yeah, it's just like it's not it's not helpful. Like you, but but equally, you are allowed to show your emotions. Of course, like yeah. being angry and shouting. You don't want to do it, but it, we are just human at the end of the day. It is an emotion and it does come out. I must say, I started I started going to see a therapist two years ago now, I think it was. I started going to see a therapist every week. Um, and it was because of my anger issues towards my two-year-old, which is the most unreasonable thing possible. You can't be angry yeah. at a two-year-old because she is two. Um, yeah. But she knows how to push buttons and she can wind you right up. And I found that seeing a therapist and being quite open about that was a massively beneficial to me like we talk about i think she mentioned about the window of tolerance of like how much you can take of a thing to stress you out and make you angry without actually affecting you and i realized if i could just widen that i didn't have to cope with it i just had a wider tolerance of what wouldn't make me upset um it sounds it doesn't it sounds all wishy-washy bollocks and stuff but to me it kind of i'm able a lot more now to control my emotions because I, I know that I have a, a wider tolerance. And there's lots of things that go for that, but it, it's, I do a lot less shouting now. Um, yeah. And it's so much nicer for everyone, <laughs> including sure. me. Of course it is. I'm sure your two-year-old thinks that as well. Well, yeah, she's now four and a half and winds me up even more. <laughs> um, but there we go. That's just it. I mean, I wouldn't change it for the world. It's what happens when you try and raise young, independent women. It's like, you want to raise an independent woman, but not want to to do something, yeah. but then but she but doesn't do yet. it. Like, oh, yeah, but not yet. Exactly. Yeah. Do it when you do it when you're told to. No, that doesn't help at all. That's not the point. Um, so, so after, so you moved on to TNT, got your training, kind of went, went and found the, the new job, an actual day role. What was that kind of entailed? Um, again, it was more, more of a planning role, but I had a team of drivers that I looked after. Okay. So, you know, they would be the ones that came to me with their issues. And it was kind of the first time that had happened to me. Um, and that's when the more of the emotions came out, you know, where people would come talk to you about anything, yeah. uh, not necessarily their work or, or the run that they've got, but they start to open up about maybe things that are going on at home or things that are going on in their personal life. And, mm. you know, I was, I was still trying to get, get my head around being the person who people come to for that because normally I'm quite an introvert person, you know, yeah. but the job taught me to come out of myself a little bit and, and just listen and empathize. And yeah. you, know, you, you haven't got all the answers. So, I mean, that sort of got my passion going for management even more because I actually thought actually I could help people. Yeah. You know, people come to work. Okay. I'm going to give you a work to do, but at the same time I can help you do it the best way possible. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the thing like happy staff, they'll go away. They'll look after your customers. Yeah, and I think I mean the motivation for doing doing that is it to to make sure your your customers and the business runs effectively and efficiently, or is it because you care about people? They don't have to be exclu- mutually exclusive. I know that like what we're trying to do with Hub and the podcast and the TMC, I think we're doing within the company now is trying to improve standards within within the sector. Like massive, massively driven because I think transport logistics is the backbone to, to the country like we would grind to a halt literally if you didn't exist like it would be a nightmare um and that's all really important and the tmc our, our kind of new new collective we've launched is again around providing transport managers with that kind of um community around them to feel less isolated and feel supported 
but actually I'm doing it for my team as well. And my team, my, my, my kind of my staff, I look after them. I try and make sure that I'm supportive of them because there's kind of, they're the people you can see and you can actually kind of feel how you're having an effect. And I think it's really important that you, you, you don't have a negative impact on the people you're working with because otherwise they, they're just, well, they're not going to be useful to you, but actually yeah, from a moral point of view as well, like I think it's important that you look after people. Yeah, because if you don't, the problem's going to come back tenfold, you know, when they've gone out in a mood, had a bad day, and they're even more angry when they come back. So well, yeah. like, you've, you've got to deal with that problem. Yeah, yeah, from a selfish point of view, it's still you dealing with it. But I think it's, crucially, it's a, I, I personally, it's just, it's just a, a, a human kind of response is to try and be what well, it should be to be kind to other people and to look after other people yeah. just for no other reason than it's kind of the right thing to do. Um, and yeah. that kind of, it sometimes get, gets lost when, You've got busy busy runs to do and kind of lots of the phones ringing and you've got a driver calling sick and like suddenly it's all very stressful but actually i think it's important that there's still people behind these wheels and, and they're the people that sort of need to look after so so where so you moved on to to there where, when was this then what was the what's where, where do we get to i've kind of lost um, my journey. <laughs> i think well so yeah I'm, I'm getting lost myself it's, it's hard to think that far back um, so well, this is more recent it, memory now. This is it, it is, yeah. But when, when you get a bit older, your memory's you know not not what it was. <laughs> so, Sorry, um, I forgot about Steve. That's your name. Sorry, yeah, I completely forgot. I completely you forgot your name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so I think we're around sort of 2010. So um, I mean, I think I, so. I tend to sort of stay in places for around three years. That seems to be you know where I'm at because again, I was at the car transporter place for three years. Yeah, um, that was it. Yeah. I, yeah, um, and then I moved to uh, Marley Plumbing and Drainage, which were uh, the plumbing supplies in Lenham in Kent. And uh, I, I think I was actually there for six years. So, you know, you I doubled, doubled my length of time. So, you know, and, and this is when I sort of properly did dive into sort of transport management, you know, yeah. and, and properly looking after the trucks, the, you know, the people understanding how, how it all works, how compliance works, how important it is to do it you know, OCRS scores, things like that, it all of a sudden, hang on, this is this is me now, I've, I've got to do this. Yeah. So, um, although, so I'd, I'd sort of, every time I've moved, I'd, I had made a step up, I'd gained more experience, I'd gained more knowledge. Um, yeah. So, uh, that, yeah, I think that's why I stayed so long, because I progressed, you know, I, I wasn't in the same role the whole way through. I literally went okay. as a planner. I was yeah. there as a planner. And then by the end of it, I was the, uh, the transport manager. So, you know, it, there was a good progression there, um, so which I enjoyed. Yeah. So, what did you do after that? What's the? Well, let, let's kind of take you to. I guess we're almost at COVID at this point now, aren't we? We kind of made, made our way to. Uh, uh, yeah, not, not quite. COVID. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah. Uh, so I then worked for um, uh, Nolan Transport. They're an Irish company, Irish yep. uh, Logistics. Um, so I was an out base in Oxford. Obviously, they're based in in Ireland. Um, and then they said to me, we want you to do your international CPC. So I said, great, I, I don't mind doing that. And I think I'd missed by two or three weeks the cutoff where you could just sit your international section as a CPC. Uh, okay. Had to do the entire lot all over again. How did you so, find that? Uh, it was still still hard, but not obviously not as hard as the first time. <clears throat> but mm. it's still a lot to remind yourself of. Obviously, things have changed a little bit because I passed my first CPC in 2001. Yeah. And then we're like sort of 10, 12, 13 years later, and I've got to do it again. Mm. Uh, and obviously, legislation has changed. Um, so, And there's vast majority of bits that you don't use as well. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, a lot. I mean, it's like school, isn't it? A lot of stuff that yeah. you learn at school, you don't use. You don't use algebra. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought. So Not um, that much, no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I found it okay. I mean, I, I did pass. I passed it sort of first time. So first time or, or first time? No, no pro proper uh, first time. Uh, this no time. traffic this time. No, no, I no, no excuses. Cool. My, my, pen, did, my pencils were sharpened. Did you actually kind of have some like re, re, like nightmare before the night before thinking you're going to get stuck in traffic again? Did that run through your oh, mind? God, I was there ridiculously early. You know, I was there like an hour before the exam and sat in my car. You know, yeah. I, I refused to be late for this one, and uh, it paid off. So you know, I was well, nice and relaxed. Yeah. So maybe it was you being late was what caused you to fail the first time. There you go. I think it was because I am <laughs> I hate I hate being late for anything. Yeah, it it stresses me out, and yeah. uh, you know I, I have to be early. You know, even if the other half says we've got to be out at seven, but it doesn't really matter if we're not there at six fifty nine. I'll freak I, out. I, 
I, it, and the thing is, it sometimes comes and bites you in the ass a little bit. So I say, I've, my four-year-old, she's kind of got birthday parties as, as nursery and school friends and all that sort of stuff. And if you know the parents of the child that you're going to, it's kind of okay to be the first one there. But if you don't know anyone there and you turn up first at the house with the, with the party, you're then standing awkwardly. It's like we had a party at the weekend and we're like, we're not getting there at the start. Let's get there at least <laughs> 20 minutes late. And I, I, we were exactly 20 minutes late. Like we were on time to the new deadline that I set because I am, I don't want to be late to something, but yeah. I didn't want to be the first one in the room. I didn't want to be there kind of my child awkwardly standing in the corner while I stand awkwardly in the corner. I'm like, no, don't want that. So, you know, I, I get, I get that not being late thing though. I really do. I, I, I hate being late myself. So well, that afternoon, so you, I, I was late, but I was on time. I like that. I was, I was on time. Oh, yeah. So that's <laughs> when you say it like that, it sounds like I made it all up. It doesn't make sense, but it, it did make sense <laughs> to me. Um, so you passed your international. Was that kind of? Did you need it? Did you need it for the for the role for Nolan? Or I, th- I didn't need it for the role, but I think they again. I think they had grand plans um, to to get me more involved in that side of it. Um, but so the outbase where I was working, it wasn't overly busy. It was only ever a temporary place for them to be. Okay. Um, so, and I knew that, you know, eventually it would close down. They, you know, they offered that I could go and, you know, work in Ireland, you know, and we considered it, you know, because I'm in mean, Ireland's a lovely place. You know, I, I would yeah. still go out there tomorrow if I could, you know, I really yeah. like it over there, but you know, the kids were at a, a difficult school age. It wouldn't have been fair on them to, yeah. to move them. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I had to leave, so unfortunately. So where did you go after then? So then I took a bit of a career swap because I was getting a bit disillusioned with transport. You know, I've okay. been doing it a lot of years. Um, I was, I was just, you know, when you've been doing something for so long, and you just think, I need, I need a change. Yeah. So I went and worked in a warehouse for a year. Okay. I literally went and worked for a carpet warehouse, and I learned how to cut carpet, and I got my reach truck license and my forklift license, and. I literally did that for a year until I started to get the hunger again for, for transport. That's good. So it didn't disappear and, entirely then? No, it, but it, it, it worked, you know, it, yeah. it, it did. I, I needed the break. Yeah. Know? So, you know, I couldn't just take a year off, you know, but, but I needed to go and do something completely different. And yeah. it, really, it really did fire me up to get back into transport. Nice. So, so, so what, what was then after that? So the, 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 the next one which is the job before now, you'd be pleased to hear. <laughs> um, is, uh, is it Matthew Clark who uh, they do uh, drinks um, they're yeah. drinks wholesaler so alcoholic drinks and, and soft drinks and uh, yeah I was started as a transport controller I worked up to I was operations manager uh, transport okay. operations manager before I left and again CPC holder yeah. um, again different sorts of problems with different sorts of deliveries obviously delivering to pubs you know very tricky you know, so you went, you went from you went from pubs to schools. That's the next transition. That's that's, yeah. a, that's a that's a good transition. I guess they still have windows, and you have got lots of people like tottering around, not really knowing where they're walking. So it's, it's I guess it's fairly yeah. similar, actually. <laughs> it kind of is. I mean, when I've had a few, the the, the mentality actually is the same. Well, exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's 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 tricky. You know, HGV town centres. You know, the risks are there massively. Mm. Um, but you know, I enjoyed it. You know, it was it was a really good it was a good learning curve. It was my first proper, almost senior role that I think I had. Yeah. Um, so again, it was more progression for me, which was great. Um, and obviously, then COVID hit, and we had to go through the pandemic. And believe it or not, we ended up being key workers because old people's homes and care homes and places like that they drink a lot of gin. So. Uh, <laughs> We, we, we operated, although on a much smaller scale, through the pandemic. And I was I guess, one of yeah. the ones. Yeah. Did, so corner, corner shops. Yeah, I guess it just because pub, I guess you don't just supply to pubs, you supply to anything that sells booze. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And, and as the pandemic progressed, more and more pubs were ordering as people found ways around it, you know, to take away and things like yeah, that. Yeah, and scotch so, eggs for a full sit down meal and stuff. Yeah, I remember that. One, yeah. 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 yeah out to help out. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We got busy for a week before they realised, oh, we can't do that. So uh, yeah, yeah. How did you plan for that? Like, well, like in terms of like, th- there was such. Uh, there, I mean, I know obviously within within hospitality there is like peaks and troughs. Obviously, Christmas is busy. Bank holidays yeah. must be busy. Holidays are busy. That sort of stuff. Yeah. But 
with the because the pandemic it was kind of in out in out like lockdown tears open yeah. closed obviously from a a working perspective it was kind of it was hard enough just employing people working out where the fuck they should work like are you at home yeah. are you in you out but actually yeah. if you're supplying to all operate to organizations that open and close did you find there was real kind of it was really lumpy in terms of what was what was needed to be done like jobs it, yeah stuff. it was I, I mean it was it was petrifying to start with because no one knew what was yeah. going on and and at one point we thought we'd turn up to work and the padlock would be on the gates and we folded because we, mm. you know we can't sell to pubs and nightclubs and restaurants yeah which is your core business yeah um so we'd gone from getting rid of 120 ton a day to 200 kilos you know that's all really? we had we had one, wow. one crew working the whole way through um but we we soon discovered that as people found ways to to you know to get the booze out there I mean, it didn't go anywhere near how, how it was beforehand, but, you know, the tonnage started to creep up a little bit. Yeah. You know, and there was a glimmer of hope where we think, oh, it's going to end. And when Eat Out to Help Out happened, we thought, oh, we've done it. We survived. And, of course, it all shut down again after yeah. that. But we'd already learned lessons. So, yeah, and obviously, the government were helping businesses as well with, with furlough and everything else. So we, we knew we could weather the storm, and we did, luckily. Yeah, you know, with no with no job losses, so oh, that's and good. then of course when it got bit when it got busy again, it was like, whoa, can we go back to lockdown? You know, it's so much easier during the end, but that's that's with hindsight at the time, it was scary because we didn't know what was going to happen. I think I think it, yeah, it, I mean, I, I guess it's for my my generation anyway. It's the closest thing I've ever got to like a world war in terms of like mm. massive kind of impact on the whole of society. And it's like you look back at like these things like World War Two was six years long. Oh, you you could hunker down for six years, but at the time you didn't yeah. know it was six years. And same with no. lockdowns. Like we we initially thought, oh yeah, three weeks in in March twenty twenty, fantastic. Get a little bit of a holiday. Oh, it's fun. Oh, don't we like sourdough? Oh, banana bread. That's great fun. <laughs> and and then you realise it's not. And then it's kind of in and out and in and out. And obviously, I think it was this week, the World Health Organization has now actually officially announced that the pandemic is over um, now. And we've now kind of come out the other side. But yeah, no, I'm 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 glad we're out of it. I didn't like the uncertainty. Like it, it wasn't it wasn't good for my mental health, especially with a with the toddler running around at the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And, and a lot of people struggle with it. I mean, I yeah. drivers calling me all the time saying, do you know what's happening? You know, do you know when are we coming back? And I couldn't answer that question, you know, so it was, yeah. it was just keeping in touch with them and saying, ringing them, are you okay? Dropping them a, a quick a message saying, everything all right? Do you need anything? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it was scary times. But again, as a manager, you don't know what's happening. Yeah. But you're the one they turn to. You so, have to manage your own kind of emotions as well yeah. to make sure you don't have that impact on them. Because I say we, we were a team of three when lockdown hit we were quite small and then we kind of expanded during covid and like various schemes got us to next levels and stuff um but yeah like you ha i i've i've had to keep my emotion in check like it's hard because you're you're meant to be the, the the smile and the face and to to motivate people not to not to bring doom and gloom and yeah you learn very quickly i mean my resilience over the last three years has grown massively having to deal with the uncertainty of of covid of what's going to happen like mm -hmm. the, the having to like move from an office to remote and back in it's not quite the same as obviously drivers being furloughed but it's trying to change your entire business model overnight because you're being remote is is quite a quite a shift so yeah the resilience yeah. you get but you've got to have that outward looking face of it's fine we're okay you're crying inside but you, it's fine we're okay <laughs> to keep 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 the kind of the wheels moving forwards as it were um so why did you leave there? It sounds like you had a great, great crack there. Like, what was the? Was it just for next challenge or? It, it was. I mean, I, I kind of I hit the milestone birthday. I hit fifty, and I thought, um, I I really want to work for myself. Like, yeah, I, I, a lot of people dream of it. You know, obviously you're you're living the dream. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> thank but you. I think. You <laughs> But you do think, I'd love to work for myself, you know, and I'd got ahead of myself in my head and go, oh, I could work four days a week and things like that. You know, I'd, I wanted that kind of lifestyle. So yeah. um, I left with the view of becoming um, an ETM. Yeah. Um, so I'd done all my research, was all fired up, was motivated, went out there looking for, for work. Um, and yeah, there's lots of work out there, but 
it, it wasn't paying what I, what I needed, no, mm. not what I wanted, because obviously I've still got support the family. Yeah. So I had to, I had to earn a certain level. Um, and it frustrated me because, you know, as a transport manager and an O-license holder, you are legally responsible for that fleet. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not there to do the photocopying, you know, yeah. I've done that bit. I've done that. I know. So yeah, it, it, it did shock me that people weren't prepared to pay the money for it, but they, I don't think they realized what they were getting for, for that money. You know, you weren't just a name on an O-license, which some people did want. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you just be, you'll just be your license holder, you know, pop in a couple of times a week sort of thing. And I'm like, no, if, if I'm going to do this, I want to know exactly where you're at, what you're doing and what needs to change. Yeah. Um, and may, maybe I, I think I was unlucky because I've spoken to several ETMs who are very successful. You yeah. Know, they've got some really good clients and they love it. Um, unfortunately, maybe I didn't give it long enough, you know, and I think it was the fear of not being able to earn the money to support yeah. that I thought, right, okay, this is not going to work for me, you know, or I'm maybe I'm just not ballsy enough to, to stick with it. It, it. it is a, it's a lifestyle choice you've got to make to become a business owner. Um, you don't do it for the freedom and flexibility. Um, because, oh, I don't have a boss. It's great. Now you have lots of bosses. Every customer is yeah. your boss and yeah. holidays, paid holidays. What are they paid paternity yeah. leave? I was back at work after four days of my little one being born. Like it's, you don't, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, I, I genuinely wouldn't change it for the world. I love it. I actually love what I do. I wouldn't, you wouldn't still do it if you didn't enjoy it, but you don't mm. do it necessarily immediately for that lifestyle. You have to kind of build to that point to then give you the lifestyle you want. And yeah, it takes a special sort of um, stubborn to, to, to stick at it. And again, I'm very lucky. I've got a very successful wife that, that, that earns a lot of well, enough money to, to, to cover me when I was setting this up and so didn't need to have an income. So it means you can be a bit more um, aggressive in how you do things um, yeah. and sort of operate to a different level. So yeah, it's, um, it's tough. Um, and yeah, it does take, I think a lot of people when they move into it, they tend to take on a customer on the side of a job. Um, yeah. So they'll have a full-time job and take on maybe a, a friend that's got an owner, like an owner operator or something, just kind of do half a day on a Saturday just to, doing anything properly it's just but also like it's a way of dipping the toe in the water without having to take that big plunge so maybe that could have been yeah. a, a different way so how, how long did you did you last at being an etm um I literally three months it was about after the first month it was very clear to me that <clears throat> this is not going to work and, and yeah. maybe i should have done you know exactly what you said and that thought has occurred to me since yeah you know i should have i should have got it going as a bit of a side hustle first and yeah. then made the transition um, but you know, I, I was probably a little bit too gung ho, but having said that, I'm glad I did it because I've ticked the box. I, yep. I, mean, I know what it's like out there and it's led me to where I am now. So well, exactly. Yeah. You know, had I not made a jump, I, I wouldn't have been here. So yeah. it, you know, it all ends all, well, it ends well, really. Yeah. So, and so, yeah, and, and obviously yeah, you go. Yeah, I was going to say there, there are certainly some hauliers out there that I would not want to work for. I've learned that from from being an ETM. So yes, I think that's not that, names. <laughs> no, we don't name name. Well, sometimes we name names yeah. on here, but no, we don't. It, at the end of the day, as an ETM, you need to make you need to learn very quickly how to spot those operators you don't want to work with, and that is a skill yeah. in itself. But as you say, you've come through. I mean, I wasn't keeping a tally, but many companies and you learn what's a good one what's not a good one and you learn what red flags are and i think it kind of you can sum it up really it's about communication if people are willing yeah. to communicate with you um then everything comes a lot easier if they're willing to communicate and listen to what you're saying then i think i think it's fine but it's when they become obtuse and difficult and argumentative and want to put you just as a name on the O license is like that nah, not not worth yeah. the, the hassle um yeah so yeah and it's not worth the risk of a prison sentence you know or, well or exactly have, having that on your conscience you know that one of the trucks yeah. have gone out unroadworthy had an accident and that's your fault yeah so. yeah i couldn't i couldn't live myself for that so yeah wow so so how how, how are things at kcs right now then like obviously you, you've had three months to sort of um get to grips are you feeling kind of 
up to speed now? You're saying before we got on the call that there's lots of systems that you're learning. Do you feel you're there now, thereabouts, or, or, or not yet? Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing now. I have the odd moment where I think, I've got this. I, I get it all now. And then someone will say, have you done this? Like, oh, no. What's that? And then I, I learn something more. But <laughs> all credit to them, they've not dumped all this on my lap in one go in the first week and said, right, this is what we do. You know, they, they've been very good at drip feeding me thing, things to do. Yeah. So, so you know, so I didn't get scared and, you know, go running for the hills. Mm. So, uh, which, is, which is a great, great way. I guess because they, they're not, uh, they're never a failing holier. They've always wanted to do things properly. So it's like they're not going to, yeah. they're not, they don't set you up to fail. They're setting you up to succeed because they themselves want to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. And when I had the interview, you know, I, I asked, what, what's the OCRS score? And I uh, said, oh, we're green. And I said, oh, that's really good. And he just said, we want to be invisible. We want to go to the next level up. And and that excited me. It's just like, you yeah. know, they, re- they really want to do this. So Have you looked you know, at um, recognition then? <clears throat> that's one of the things that we're, we're looking at doing. So it's going to take some work, but, yeah. you know, it, we, we can do it. Um, and that's what excites me about the job. You know, they they don't just want someone to come in and keep it ticking over. They want someone to come in and bring it up. Yeah. Because you know, uh, one of the great things about the company is <clears throat> the relationship the drivers have with, with their customers. Yeah. You know, that, that's why people order from us. You know, they, they get the same driver. He, he knows where to go. He has a chat about the family and he moves on. Um, yeah. You know, that's one of our big selling points. And again, they sold it to me as well. You know, that they're, they're really keen on making their employees happy. And like I said earlier, you know, if you're happy, you're going to go out and keep your customers happy. Yeah. And it works. It does indeed. So I think I mean we, that was a that was a that was a good journey through your, your your life history. I've enjoyed that 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 path. Um, it's the first time we've done that sort of chronological kind of route through. I think I think yeah. I've, yeah. I know, I know you are. I'm guessing you're going to get your uh, your drivers and your your coworkers to listen to this. They're going to know all of your your, your inner secrets and uh, and history now. <laughs> yeah, I've probably shared too much, but uh, ah, it's, it's, fine. it's funny because when people look at my CV, they say, "Oh, you've had a lot of jobs," and then I say, "Yeah, but I've been working for 34 years." You yeah. know, and and I stay a good few years at every firm. And the only reason I've moved is to progress. Yeah. So actually, when you look at it, no, I haven't. You know, I've not been in the job six months and left and, and so on. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd almost have to justify it because, you know, my CV's, it's getting tight now to get on two sheets of A4. So. Well, I guess, <laughs> I guess you can sort of like, do you know? I... Because I, I mean, I, I've read a lot of CVs. Like we've we've gone through recruitment drives over the last few years, and you read a lot of CVs, and you know the ones you can look at them and go, "You got no experience." It's size sixteen. Yeah. You put on that you used to play football with your friends at the weekend. That's when your hobbies. Okay, cool. That's fine. You're. you're I'm not going to discount you, but you've got no experience, and so we can work on that. But then yeah. it's like there's all the, the other side of people put everything on. Like oh, I've got my five meters swimming badge and and all this sort of stuff. It's like. I don't need that. That's not relevant to the role. So maybe it's worth looking and seeing. I mean, everything you've done is relevant to your role, but it's whether do you need to yeah. put down every single job? I don't know. Just, just a thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think just to kind of ra- round up, I think we're kind of I'm just looking at the time, bloody hell, we've been over an hour now. Um, should we, um, I've got one last question to ask and then we'll kind of wrap it up. I think okay. um, with our new sort of direction of, of working with our new product, sorry, that we're, we're, we're supporting transport managers in, kind of greater detail with with the TMC. Um, what's one piece of advice you would give either former self or a new transport manager? What's one sort of piece, what's one nugget of advice you would give to, to an inexperienced TM? I would say if we take the compliance side of it out of the way, because all TMs would obviously know that, it's uh, learning to be a good people person. You know, yeah. that, that is the key to your success. If you do, you don't want to be the boss that you know stamps their feet and shouts and slams the doors, you want to be somebody that people can come to, even yeah. if they've made a mistake. You know, if we have drivers sometimes that know they've had an infringement, and they'll come and tell me. You know, rather than me find it out when I do the analysis, they come and tell me, which which mm. is great because a they know they've done it, which is which also is great. great. <laughs> yeah, it shows they've got an awareness, and also that they're, they're not scared to come and say, "I've messed up. I've done this." Yeah. Um, and so you've got to be empathetic. You know, I don't tell people what to do. I ask people what to do. You yeah. Know, obviously, there are times where you do have to be a bit stronger. But generally, if you ask someone else to do it, they'll, they'll go away quite happily and do it. Yeah. So if, if you're starting out, you need to learn that skill quite quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Difficult when you're younger, because obviously yes. when you're younger, you know everything. 
<laughs> but of course as, you do. as you get older, yeah. it's uh, it it will really really help you through your career. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's one core life skill that can sort of support you in any way you go is being able to yeah. work with people. So yeah, cool. Wow, that was a journey. So um, yeah, I think we'll we'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much, Steve, for joining me. Um, it's actually been. It's been a pleasure considering how long we've been on for. I didn't realize how long we've been talking until I looked down at the clock. No, I didn't. So, I didn't either. Yeah, I uh, realized the sun's going down. Not quite, but like it's. <laughs> we've been here a while. So thank you very much for joining me. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, and I guess, I mean, we spoke. We found each other on LinkedIn. We can. We can obviously, if people want to find you and chat to you about your experience, I'm guessing we could put your LinkedIn link somewhere in the yeah, in the description. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we could do yeah. that. Um, and yeah, I mean, thank you very much. And um, yeah, I, I, I hope I wish you all the best with the, the next three, six, nine months and get you to three years at KCS and see where you're going to go beyond there. I'm interested yeah, to let's, follow let's, your career. I think, I'll just, I think I'll just stay here. I think it'd be easy if I just do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, your CV's going to get no longer now. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, done, I'm done. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, thank you much, Steve. And I'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Steve, for joining me this week, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Morning Cuppa podcast. If you like this week's episode, be sure to go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. That will help us get in front of even more transport professionals just like you. As always, I do love chatting to other transport professionals, so go ahead and find me on LinkedIn, Instagram. Uh, the links will be somewhere. Uh, that's all for me. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. I've been Alan, and this has been the Morning Cuppa podcast. <laughs>